0: Welcome back to another Tribeca, untitled Tribeca review. What the hell? <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say Eric Marchin, but you didn't.
0: Oh my God, I didn't. Let's just restart. <laughs> Are you sure?
1: I like it. I love that little bit of flavor on this. It shows that we have, tri- it, let's keep it shows that we have Tribeca brain, Matt. Like the, you know- God,
0: I'm thinking, I'm going to the cottage tomorrow, Eric. I got you're already on, you're already, already on
1: vacation mode.
0: Uh, here, let me do it. Welcome back to another <laughs> Untitled Tribeca Review. I am one of your hosts, Girl. Matt Rohrbeck, alongside—he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is Tomato Meter approved. Eric Marching. Matt,
1: that was that was beautiful, flawless. I, you know, you know, I would have never have noticed that we had a hiccup before, but that's what we do. We
0: could cut out that. You opening, know what though? But, I I kind of
1: like when you actually have all the kind of the bumps and and sort of. Little crevices in podcasts where you know, like obviously, you know, we love talking about movies. We're very comfortable with each other, but you know, we also tend to screw up when it comes to you know remembering certain things or pronouncing things properly, or you know, forgetting to na- human, to intro just like hosts. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it also kind of shows you that everybody is like that, and that's why you know the the conversational podcasts are always more interesting than. Um, sort of the polished the very
0: produced ones, you know, yeah.
1: ones that kind of feel like, okay, they were edited by, you know, like the studio that they're being made for and, and they don't really have any life to them. They don't have any flavor, Matt. You know?
0: Yeah. I fuck up constantly. Here you go, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty impressed with us. We don't have to like redo intros or, or e- outros like that often. I feel like sometimes we'll get into a um a thing where we have to do one episode's intro like seven times. Cause once you fuck it up once, if you go back and you you just do keep it, doing it to yourself
1: it. and you keep jinxing yourself. Yeah. But I think with this, it was just kind of like, you know what? Let's just, let's just go for it. You know what? It's, it's, it's near the end of the week as we're recording this tribe is almost done. It basically is finished. Well, it is done. But there's we're some virtual couple- screeners still available as Matt dives into his big gulp. Uh, from yesterday. Double, Double gulp. Double
0: gulp, baby. Oh, well, have a good
1: one. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's. I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. And, and again, it also adds uh, a couple extra minutes to the conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we can get to that 15 minutes and go, well, okay. We did it. Uh, we covered it. it we covered
1: False Positive, which we're reviewing uh, yeah. today, the John Lee yeah. directed film, which... Was a movie that was on our uh, most anticipated films for both 2020
0: and 2021. So hugely anticipated, almost a year and a half in the in the making. Well, how'd it do, Matt? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I, if you, spoilers, you probably, if you uh, follow us on Letterboxd, Untitled Podcast on our Letterboxd HQ. Um, I started something new, uh, where I'm going to do an updated list of our most anticipated movies of 2021 ranked. So each movie that appears on our most anticipated list, I, after us, reviewing it or discussing it, I'll throw it on there or sometimes earlier like I did with False Positive um, based on you know what our scores are going to be and see if these movies... And then it'll be interesting to look back at the end of the year, Eric, when we go, okay, which movies were we super excited for and um, what movies lived up to that hype, Well, Motherless right? Brooklyn which, lived up to that um, hype the, the one year we posted it. Yeah, we did have that on there, did we? I still we, love yo? that
1: book so much, but... The odd
0: time you, you just have a, a misfire like this, yeah. right? Like, it's just it, it's kind of... I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of spoiling what we're going to rate the movie but um yeah y- you read a concept you see who's involved you see who's cast in the movie who's going to be writing and directing it you go uh, and i mean this is following um you know a recent trend of you know comedians um tackling genre fair right with alana glazer here being like i'm going to you know co-write and uh, and star in a in a kind of horror psychological thriller well, the film that it will be compared movie. to and, it,
1: and it's hard not to because it was the first to really do it and and be the most successful at it and it kind of always looms large on everything else that kind of does anything to do with pregnancy and 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 rosemary's, is rosemary's baby. baby right yeah. so there will be comparisons to that but i will also make comparisons to another movie that also you know is is
0: Compared to Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Baby,
1: but also feels like it actually is closer to this as well in, in certain regards and watching. it, I was thinking, okay, like, I wonder who watched that movie. Um, the film I'm referring to is uh, the Roger Corman produced version of the Unborn from the early 90s with Brooke Adams uh, and James Kern, um, uh, Karn from Revenge, uh, or Return of the Living Dead, and uh, The Poltergeist. Uh, he usually kind of mm-hmm. plays like a sort of corporate figure or uh, kind of guy that's um, a bumbling idiot. He's 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 very good at both of those. But that movie itself kind of, especially in the third act of this, which we won't spoil anything, but in the third act of The Unborn, it goes in a very
0: similar direction. Does it? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, even more recently with something like Darren Aronofsky's Mother, which was a very dur- – I mean has doesn't really compare to this movie at all but I'm just thinking of no, other but it's, recent movies. it's it's more blunt that, like,
1: it is more blunt in its symbolism and metaphors um I'm speaking of Of mother and, of and mother, the same yeah. way with false positive but false positive I think my biggest problem like even before we talk about sort of what it's about is that it's trying to be a social commentary on sort of modern, you know, medicine and femininity and control of women's bodies yeah. and it's it's exactly. trying to say yeah. everything and it says nothing at all at the same time. Like it it's covering all of its bases but it doesn't really ultimately, you know, get inside and 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 explore each of those specific seeds, those topics in a way that is worth sort of
0: cultivating it kind of just presents them yeah yeah it it, it says
1: okay yes we addressed it we brought it up but it never goes deeper and like even with the idea that you could say okay well you know this is an a24 movie that's been uh moved over to hulu and that like okay it's a part of the elevated horror genre it it does have certain aspects of you know both Midsummer and Hereditary, but I think that's more of an aesthetic thing because it is the same cinematographer that Ari Aster always works with, uh, uh, Pavel, uh, Pavel Grosky, um, Who you know, like there's one scene in particular in this movie where you know th- this couple played by uh, Alana Grazer and uh, Justin Thoreau hear a sound, and it's framed from you know they're in they're in their washroom, they're they they're nice sort of. Uh, Sort of well done, stylized bathroom in this New York the apartment. Hallway you're talking yeah, about and when you he hear this sound, it, yeah. and and Justin Thoreau walks down the hallway, and the hallway is in complete darkness. And the whole time, it's like this static shot, and you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, yeah, this is this is very much, you know, yeah. like that an Ari Aster moment kinda, where you think yeah. like, okay, something creepy is going to happen." But the creepiest thing about it, and it is an unsettling scene is that nothing happens it just it's the idea that it's letting you kind of let your mind wander and think like what could happen you know the the scariest thing about that scene Mm -hmm. is that it's in the dark or that there's darkness Mm -hmm. and you can't see what's going on
0: and i think the most effective horror movies do that quite frequently right like build atmosphere and build tension without you know let you kind of Uh, make it scarier than it almost is and that's an effective horror movie and this movie has elements of that and again going back to even um the Rosemary's baby comparison and having you know uh uh, alana Glazer's character lucia or lucia sorry um or lucy um and get in her head that's what makes those scenes kind of effective but yeah i i didn't hate the movie well we'll get into it in one second but yeah uh, directed by john lee uh starring alana glazer justin theroux pierce brosnan um and and more um it's going to be released on june 25th uh this friday um tomorrow actually if you're listening to this right away uh on hulu and uh, exclusively on
1: Hulu. yeah we have no idea what the canadian distribution um will be of the film but judging by movies like palm springs and run uh, it'll either maybe end Amazon, up on Amazon or, Prime or Netflix yeah. six months from now.
0: Yeah, or maybe Disney Plus Star, but like, I I don't know what the A24 thing. I know it's Hulu, so it's not really a Disney right. uh, but production Run or anything. Right, but Ryan went on to uh, Hulu, and then it ended up on Netflix yeah. here. So. Right, so it, who knows? But uh, unfortunately, uh, for the Canadians listening, uh, you won't have access to it quite sure yet. of luck, eh? Um, it could just pop up on VOD as well if a24 just decides yeah. to do that, but I, I, we don't we're not quite sure um, yet. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, like take it away, Eric. Um, let's give people, I guess we kind of, yeah, I mean, essentially what what this
1: boils down to is, I mean, if you've seen Rosemary's baby, think that, but sort of a modern day version of it that also takes place in New York. That's about a couple that are trying to have their first child, um, for about a year they've, they've tried unsuccessfully and, you know, they decide, okay, we're going to go to, um, a specialist, uh, played by uh, Pierce Brosnan here, who's playing that kind of cool, uh, calm, and confident doctor who's very reassuring, always pats you on the shoulder and tells you everything is going to be all right, even when you have legitimate concerns. And so the couple, uh, as I already mentioned, played by Alana Grazer and Justin Theroux, um, basically go to this doctor and... You know, are promised that they will be able to uh, conceive through uh, the miracle of science and sort of specifically uh, techniques that have been devised by the uh, Hindle Clinic, his company. Um, You also learned that Justin (laughs) Thoreau uh, is a doctor as well, and he used to be one of uh, Pierce Brosnan's uh, students. And that's kind of why he was able to get in because apparently it is really, really difficult to (laughs) book an appointment with this clinic because it is. The best in getting couples pregnant. Um, and slowly but surely, uh, this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailers and it's sort of in the log line. Um, Lucy does get pregnant, um, but then she begins to not only have s- self-doubt of, of what's going on, but it becomes basically like a gaslighting paranoid thriller of who's in on sort of the idea of like, okay, are, is this, are these children mine? Are these children somebody else's? Is somebody controlling this whole situation mm-hmm. around me? Um, am I in danger? Um, you know, and, and again, like a lot of that is in Rosemary's baby where, you know, you have a character who's basically a pawn you know, in this sort of bigger game that they don't necessarily realize at first. And when they start to, um, you know, characters around them, everyone tells you that you're, crazy. that you're crazy when ultimately yeah. like, you're not, but you're driven to the, I mean, we even saw that, you know, earlier, they keep
0: saying pregnancy brain. Yeah. Mommy brain is is the the thing that they
1: keep using. And again, like that's a term where like I've, you've heard that outside of this movie. It's not just, you know, delegated to the film, but it's also kind of trying to make a point that, you know, that, that term is sexist, but maybe there's also some truth in that. And, and who's allowed to use that term and who, and who shouldn't. And then you have stuff with like, you know, the idea of, of, Uh, natural birth versus sort of uh, you know uh, medically uh, sort of induced procedures and then the idea of like you know this uh, african-american midwife being you know looked upon by lucy as you know uh, you know the black savior uh, Mm -hmm. uh, to her and like how that character even though you know ultimately she's the victim in this whole situation can also, um, project onto other people in ways that is, uh, morally and ethically, ethically incorrect. Um, and that's what you see in this where, again, like it's trying to cover every single sort of topic about conception and the, I, the idea of, you know, who should have the final say, which it, in my opinion, and I think also in yours, it should be the woman mm-hmm. who is giving birth. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole thing about that that's presented in, in sort of the – again, like, I don't want to give anything away, but like the decisions that have to be made uh, before the birth and sort of what is
0: going on there and then you – know, The situation that they place her in is a very um, upfront metaphor. Yeah. And, right? And a very – yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it just – it's it's all kind of – um, on the nose it's blunt and sometimes yeah. i'm i'm not against that i think i yeah, i think, I'm not against I think sometimes either, when yeah. especially in american filmmaking when it comes to metaphor and analogy and to social commentary you know you have subtlety doesn't always work no. and and like even even something like get out which is, is is a great movie get out has subtlety to it but it also is Willing Very to, blunt, yeah. you know, hit you over the head, or at least hit Bradley Whitford Literally, and Caleb yeah. Landry <laughs> Jones over the head, uh, you know, when when it needs to. But this tries to emulate that style of filmmaking where it wants to be more than the sum of its parts, and that's fine. I think I think horror movies are some of the best films to sort of add a layer of meta-textual social commentary. But here, it just kind of feels like – and we already talked about it – the idea that it just kind of basically – it almost feels like trigger warnings or trigger words that it's yeah. like okay we 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 we're checking we that presented off the on idea the list. but we ne-
0: didn't necessarily like deconstruct it or or go deep into it. We just presented you with that thought and let you take that away yourself. Yeah, kind of. That's how I. And
1: again, like it's all very obvious in terms of like how her life is being dictated and controlled
0: by, by other men, men whether yeah. it be at home with her husband who. That fucking marketing office that just gave me PTSD. Flashbacks. Right, right,
1: right. Which, which I like. I really liked Josh Hamilton, who is best known as playing uh, the dad in eighth grade in Bo Burnham's movie, who's so lovely and charming in that film, and then this you know he again you know even though these nice
0: guys that they kind of try to take down
1: yeah and like, there's two scenes in particular where it's like okay it's really obvious that like you know he's using the facade of being sort of you know uh one of the one of the people like he it's almost i think it almost implied that maybe he's gay like he's you know like he's one of the girls like you can confide in me anytime mm-hmm. but he sort of oversteps his bounds multiple times whether it be again sort of like touching her on the shoulder in weird ways, or when she confides in him and shares that she's pregnant, he invites in the two other guys when she's not maybe willing to tell the rest of the office yet that, you know, she's having a baby and like, he kind of just bluntly brings them in. And then on top of that, like, you know, there's, there's this subplot of her, you know, working, uh, with this company, this, this brand company called What a new
0: pitch. Yeah.
1: And basically her, you know, um, you know, putting this all together and yet- Taking the lead on the Yeah, first, but yes. yet at her own office, she's still- Not getting the credit for it. And yeah. she's still getting everybody's lunch.
0: Yes, that too. And th- I mean, they really nailed kind of the uh, bullshittiness of, of, you know, uh, marketing agencies. <laughs> so I'll give them that. But um, yeah, anyway. But yeah, that's, I mean, ultimately, I think it's
1: it's just doing so much and- I don't think it's that funny and its subversiveness when it does mm-hmm. tend to go in somewhat morbid gallows humor. Um mm-hmm. I found one moment funny and I don't know if it's because of the writing or just the delivery of Sophia Bush's character. So there's there are these scenes where uh Lucy joins sort of like a you know pregnant mommy group kind of thing yeah, and yeah. You know, um, Sophia Bush's character is talking about like how hard it's been for her and 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 you know the situation that she's been in. Um, But I love it when she tells everybody that her son's name is going to be uh, Rafe. It's like Ralph but French. And I don't know if it's necessarily the writing or it's just the delivery of like Bush's sort of like smoky inclination. Uh, of that. And it's, and it's also funny how they keep how she keeps referring it to baby
0: Rafe. (laughs) Like I thought that was actually kind (laughs) of funny. Yeah. It has a few moments here and there. And I mean, it is, again, I I think style over substance uh, first, which I, I, again, I'm not always totally against. And like we keep saying, it kind of just presents these ideas. And I don't think really, uh, again, I have a problem, like you said, where you try to throw this blanket and cover all the different kind of subjects within this overarching kind of theme instead of kind of honing in on one thing. And I think that's where the kind of movie falls apart a bit because I, I don't hate it or anything. And I actually think I was, you know, I think it's perfectly watchable even if it's kind of a misfire, but um, I think it's style mostly works. Um, I really love broad city and I really do love Alana Glazer. And like, so when I, and, and John Lee also worked on, Broad city, I, I believe as well. Right. Um, so I think just those expectations there of being like, oh, that is a genuinely funny show that just, you know, understands, you know, culture in New York City and, and just like, I just, thought that could translate really well, well to something like this. But, and comedians uh, what, doing
1: horror as well. Like, we yeah, talked about exactly, that. Like I mean, even more them, recently yeah. with Josh Rubin, you know, directing and writing werewolves Scare Me within, and Werewolves yeah. Within, and then, you know, Jordan Peele with Us and Get Out, and even back to, you know, William uh, uh, Peter Blatty for The Exorcist. like And Chris Rock for, with, in Spiral how, Book of Song. Get out of here. How <laughs> dare you? But, but, uh. there, but comedians doing genre specifically horror – there's always something interesting there because comedy and horror has always kind of been the two genres that's kind of looked down upon. They function in a way that's meant for scares or laughs. So when you get a comedian doing horror, somebody that's known you know, for stand-up or something like that, coming into the horror world, um, it usually leads to some interesting stuff. And this movie just kind of – it just glosses over a lot of that.
0: And I think her putting herself in this movie um, didn't – help um i love her i think she's fantastic in broad city i just don't think she worked in this and i feel like her delivery um really works in a comedic uh you know tone and in this i could never she still had the same inf- inflections and the same delivery as some of her stuff in broad city but it's played very very straight in this mind you there are a few jokes here and there and you know uh, but I, I, there was something off with the way that she would deliver her lines that uh, it kind of reminds me of Chris Rock in in Spiral Book of Saw and like other things where these comedians have a great idea. And because they're also actors or they're also, you know, big names or whatever that um, they put themselves in the movie or whoever's producing it goes, oh, it'd be great if you starred in it as well because you wrote it. And I don't. I think the best ones that we're talking about is when the comedian kind of takes a step back and focuses on the actual production of it or the writing of it or something yeah, like Peele that. Yeah, and, and does,
1: specifically. Yeah,
0: it doesn't necessarily have to put themselves in front of the camera as well. Um, and I mean, Justin Theroux is Justin Theroux. He's fine. He's um, kind
1: of bland, but again, like I think is, also the like, thing with Alana Glazer, I don't think her performance is necessarily awful. I think the character no, is just kind I, of but- blandly written and so is... Uh, uh, Adrian, played by uh, uh, Justin Thoreau where like looking at, like I like both. I, of I them do too. A lot, but you but. you look at, and again the comparison to Rosemary's Baby. You look at Mia Farrow and you look at you know John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes mm-hmm. is a complete slime ball like he's the kind of guy yeah. that literally before the like you believe that the character before this movie was made literally climbed out of the new york sewer he's that horrible of a person <laughs> but he's also that memorable you know like yeah. he, he leaves a lasting impression and with mia farrow you actually are emotionally connected to what's going on with the character and what she's going through with alana glazer's lucy like you know they they Talk about, you know, her mother recently passing away and her maybe wanting a girl more so than a boy. And then all this stuff with, like, you know, Peter Pan being read to her as a kid and that kind of being this metaphor as well throughout. But I never felt that it was a fully-fledged character. It was just more yeah. of a caricature than anything else. And not one that is like Gretchen Mull in this movie who plays one of the nurses that is just at 11 the whole time. That you <laughs> yeah, think is like, yeah. okay, well, that would be the dead giveaway, like – it's just stepping into this clinic i would just be You'd like be literally unsettled. yeah it's yeah. like she's going like for stepford wives like scary yes yeah. which is like again i applaud her for doing that where but it's a different movie and she's in a different movie entirely and then like i like pierce brosnan's casting because it's going against type and playing somebody who yeah
0: and i actually think he's pretty good. yeah he's, I, he's I like- fine
1: um i i think that like in a better film that performance would have worked but Ultimately, where it goes, especially in the third act, it just doesn't really sort of um, live up to what they were kind of building towards, and it just kind of doesn't land. But he, I mean, he's good in it. I just wish that the material was better for him because it is a role that is kind of playing against sort of his more debonair and suave. He's still
0: suave. But he has that. But he's using it a as a bit, weapon,
1: right? which I really yes, like. Because yeah. again, like this whole movie is trying to make the, the idea that, you know, male scientists and doctors have always kind of been in control. And the one in control of, of, of women's bodies. I think that's bodies. part of
0: my problem too. It just becomes really predictable as well. Like yeah. um, from the moment uh, a, you know, the movie is presented to you, or what the crux of the movie is going to be about, and a choice is it has to be made. Um, well, the
1: foreshadowing right off the
0: top at is the beginning, right? The right? Bat, yeah. like
1: th- that's another thing that I kind of like, but I dislike. Where it doesn't <laughs> become sorry to cut yeah, you no off, problem. but it
0: it doesn't become like a twist. It just becomes like a. Of course, it's what happened. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> I
1: mean a lot of movies do this. Like you think of like you know Sunset Boulevard with you know Billy sure. Wilder's film, you know with with William Holden like in the pool, dead, floating yeah. in there, and and it's like okay this is like the classic framing device of like, we know that this character's doomed or, dem- or demise is coming. How did we get to this moment? And that's what the movie sure. explores. And I think them doing something similar with this at the beginning of the film and when we first see uh, Lucy, it basically tells you ultimately where the story is going to go. And I think it kind of ruins the gaslighting elements a little bit of yeah. this film because that's the whole thing. It's like, you're not, you're supposed to also sort of, start to um suspect that maybe there's something off with the lead character you know like even something like the woman in the window which is not a good movie i mean that doesn't have like a scene where like at the beginning of the film it kind of tells you that you know the character was in a moment of peril that she was right all along and that's what the film is basically confirming right off the top with the score with a kind of like choral sort of choir-esque score that never really comes back until the end. And you're kind of like, oh, this almost sounds like something, you know, Danny Elfman would have done in the 1980s or early 90s with Tim Burton. And it's it is creepy and weird. But then it's just kind of it's completely removed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree. Yeah, um, an unfortunate misfire. Um, again, didn't hate it, but I kind of agree with everything you're saying, Eric, where it just kind of presents a bunch of ideas, but never really kind of fully fleshes them out. And it kind of leans into its style, hoping that, you know, you won't think too hard about it, I think. And you'll just think it's kind of a, yeah, a gaslighting, you know, stylish horror movie, which it is, but it just doesn't end up, you know, being super, super effective. I just think it ends up being kind of forgettable and um, and I just think Alana Glazer is a little bit miscast. Like, I, I love that her involvement in writing and. and well, she and stuff has a like story that, credit. But,
1: she doesn't have a screenplay credit. So. Um,
0: well, I hear it says she does oh, have she a does? screenplay credit. Oh, she does. Because in, um, in, on my end. Uh, in the, um, the, in the credits,
1: not. it said that she had uh, a story by credit only.
0: I thought she had both, but. Um, I'll look on at least on Wikipedia, but well, on you can't IMDb it says she that. does have
1: a writing credit. But like on the thing on the yeah. on like the actual credits, actual credits, so maybe it's story are by not updated. And there was um, another writer I think attached to it as well.
0: Uh, on my end, I have that it's story by John Lee, Alana Glazer, and uh, Alyssa Nutting. Great name, <laughs> um, and and then the screenplay is by John Lee and Alana Glazer, which I've been reading in places. So I think they both wrote it together. Yeah, okay. So. Um, uh, anyways, um, yeah, A misfire for me, but, um, not horrible, but I'll give it a, a, a 2.5 out of five.
1: I'll give it a two. And I also have to say that, uh, uh, you know, if, if our friend Ben, uh, is listening to this, a 24 can make a bad movie.
0: It can. Ironically, I just bought some a 24. So you're going to return so, that now based on this? No, 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 no. I bought a hat and another sweater, but, um, uh. I was going to pick up. I still want the Midsummer uh, 4K from their website, which they do ship to Canada. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's like 45 bucks American, which isn't bad. It's gorgeous. Um, that Midsummer 4K collector's, director's. Kind it's just of hard to put edition. anywhere on your shelf because it doesn't fit with. Because the- it's a really thin case, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They did the same thing with Krishna um, as well, which I thought was kind of odd. Right, right. Um, still haven't watched that, but. Um, I've heard it's very okay. good and I will love the director. So anyways, yeah, A24 uh, which is you can see which movies they go. No, well, let's just throw this on Hulu. Right. <laughs> um I, that should have been a telltale sign. So uh, anyways, thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, our Tribeca coverage is wrapping up. Um, we still have one more film that we will be reviewing, which is roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain um, should have that for you early next week. And then that will wrap up our Tribeca coverage uh, for this year. We will have like a little roundup on uh, the next draft of the untitled movie podcast, where we also talk about the first TIFF announcements and, um, tiff is back baby um well it never went anywhere but in person at least it feels like it's um more substantial this year i'm excited to talk about that as well as uh our experience at tribeca and and you know much much more so uh thank you all for listening um please go follow us uh, on letterbox like i mentioned at untitled podcast we post all of our social links there as well as our reviews uh lists um other such things so uh, go check that out Untitled underscore cast on all those social medias. Uh, Drop us a review if you would be so kind. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck.
1: And I'm Eric Marchion. You can find more of my video reviews at RogersTV.com Size Cinema Scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Nutting.
0: (laughs) God damn it. That's so inappropriate for this. (laughs) Bye, everybody.